Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman, the podcast. Now we're going to do a little uh, housekeeping because it's important. If you're on YouTube or the visual video channels, please like and subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, hit that bell so you get all the notifications when we put on a new show. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Samsung, Google, RSS.com, all of those places. If you're on those, also like and subscribe and share with your friends because that's important, sharing with your friends. Because what we're doing here is we're building a digital community. Sharing is caring, Pat. Sharing is caring. And on the Corn RC <laughs> website, yeah. Corn RC website, you can go there. Yeah. And also, if you subscribe, you will get the medley of the 80s uh, novelette written by our man, Tony Wanamaker. Thank you, sir. Yes. And now, <laughs> yeah. on with our current program. Brought to you by... Us, Tony and Pat. <laughs> I'm Pat Canavan, and my I'm friend Tony Wanamaker. Hi, and welcome. So today's episode is a bit country, and that's why I'm dressed like the man in black, Johnny Cash himself. And uh, I had a ring of fire, but that was because of chicken wings. <laughs> so, Tony, you got to meet some great legends. Let's talk Johnny Cash. Well, undoubtedly, Johnny Cash is one of the biggest stars I've ever had the pleasure to meet. And I'm a kid from a small town, Picton, Ontario. Uh, my parents and my grandparents, we were into agriculture, man. We were farmers. And uh, so we played a lot of the old score. And, uh, you know, we're going back to, like, Wilf Carter, right? We're going back to Don Messer, uh, Don Messer's Jubilee. We watched that faithfully. Uh, Tommy Hunter show, big deal in my town. Everybody liked in the county, but the king, the king was Cash, the man in black. You know, Cash is still king. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. On two levels. Yes. <laughs> so, Johnny Cash, um, I was amazed reading this section of your book that his wife, June Carter Cash, actually wrote Ring of Fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's an amazing confluence of, of country superstars. And you got to think that, you know, June Carter came from the Carter family. The Carter family were the first, if you will, uh, uh, country uh, global st superstars at the time. They actually only had to write and record music uh, if that wasn't enough, but they didn't have to have a part-time job. So they were the first country super group. Uh, and here is the, the pedigree, which is uh, June Carter. Uh, it made sense at some point that Johnny Cash and June Carter would hook up. This would be, end up being uh, Johnny Cash's second marriage and uh, a very fruitful collaboration because a couple things happened, Pat. Uh, I would say that Ring of Fire yeah. uh, made a big difference. It, it, it made Johnny Cash uh, a su global superstar. Well, it sure did, yeah. And the other hit, my friend, surprisingly, was one called Folsom Prison that he wrote uh, back in 55. Folsom Prison. Now, that, that's, that's key, right? That's key for his it's career, huge. but it didn't really... Huge. That song didn't make it in the 50s. No, and uh, later in life, he recorded that, and... Uh, uh, at the urging from a minister of, of his congregation, he decided to, uh, to perform in a prison. Okay. Nobody was doing that. And don't forget, he was only inspired to write the song by watching a movie about prison life. 
Okay. He was never in prison. He told me this, which is great. He said, Tony, there's a myth about me spending time in prison, man, because uh, I was, I wrote full in prison. And I said, wow. Uh, okay. That's what I thought. But like most people, that's not true. He spent a couple of nights in the drunk can. A lot of the guys like Will and Jennings back in the time, although Will and Jennings spent a little more time. So just, um, just, just an overnight. He's, he did he, a lot of those overnights, he, he's but just here overnight he was guy. inspired, brother, to to perform at Folsom Prison. And the great thing about that concert, folks, was it changed everything for Cash. Cash had a horrible addiction at the time. He was on uh, prescribed medications that, that went awry. Uh, so he had a terrible addiction. And uh, he was feeling a lot of, it was suffering a lot of depression, not feeling suffering depression. And so meeting June Carter uh, and then deciding to do the show that changed everything became this outrageous, uh, popular documentary. It won him a Grammy Award. It changed his career. The music company was about to oust him, about to boot him out. And this revitalized everything and put in perspective. And then Johnny Cash went on to uh, be a real big advocate, Pat, of prison uh, reform and, 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 and really had a vested interest in making life a little more tolerable for, uh, for inmates. Amazing. Well, it's amazing that he actually had to go through this sort of dark night <sighs> of the soul kind of thing yeah. to reemerge yeah. and and again shed light onto an american institution yeah. that's also an american problem well you think about you said you coined a phrase american institution there's a photograph called the million dollar quartet it's one of the most famous photographs of rock and roll history and it's four it's elvis presley at the piano flanked by johnny cash Jerry Lee Lewis and Carl Perkins. Carl Perkins, blue suede shoes, folks. Remember that? Um, and here they were at Sun Records. Sam Phillips was the guy who was recording those records. Okay. Now, what was happening, brother, which is very interesting. Cash, Jerry Lee, Carl Perkins, right, Elvis, were Southern boys, Southern white boys that heard a lot of this music. The colloquial term was the hillbilly music, right? Yeah, sure, hillbillies. Yeah. Mix of country, Americana, yeah. you know, a little bit of blues maybe. Uh, I wouldn't settle too much on the blues. But uh, here was this interesting mix, you know. And uh, going forward, you know, what, what was this? And these guys were, you know, they were the vanguard. They led in, in both in country and rock and roll. And uh, I wanted to show you, Pat, so I had a chance to meet two of the great four. I, I blew meeting Jerry Lee Lewis. My stupidity. I should have stayed a little bit longer. Uh, not bedtime for Bonzo, right? <laughs> so, uh, this is pretty cool. This is from the uh, old Brunswick house on Bloor Street, Pat. And here's Carl Perkins here. I uh, got a chance to see these. These are the Toronto band, uh, Jack the Kaiser, the Bobcats. The Bobcats, uh, yeah. Jack Scott was a famous uh, rockabilly artist at the time. But primarily, I wanted to focus on Carl Perkins here. So here I had this chance, chance to spend uh, real quality time with Carl Perkins at the Brunswick house. And uh, I was honored to meet, you know, one of the... The key people in, if you will, the genesis of rock and roll music. Well, what's amazing is when I think of Johnny Cash, yeah. I don't think the genesis of rock and roll. <clears throat> Fair enough. But Sun Records, yep. you know, and, and well, these were four pillars. Oh. Right? These yes. were the four pillars, I guess, of rock and roll, yeah. weren't they? Oh, absolutely. And Carl Perkins wrote so many hits for so many people, mostly Elvis. Yeah. Uh, but like masters. Yeah. But what what the heck brought you much music to the Brunswick House 
for Carl Perkins. Well, well back in the day, uh, producer John Martin, always a savvy entrepreneurial guy, thought, hey, here's, uh, you know, Carl Perkins, we're willing to do something, and a number of bands and put the show together. But what was really cool is we kind of moved forward and uh, spend a little bit of time with them, because uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of country music. Fan right. of, huge fan of Johnny Cash. You can tell by the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, so, yeah, so I had a chance to, to, to spend a weekend in Nashville, Tennessee, the home of country music. And uh, being there as a weekend warrior, an urban cowboy, I went down with, uh, I was going to say my Yoko Ono, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying Rhonda's my Patty Scalfa. She actually helps me write music, so uh, I like that. But uh, I'm down there with my Patty, and uh, we had a great, great weekend. And uh, being a fan, I'm going to visit the highlights, Printer's Alley. I'm going to go to, at that time, they had uh, Opry Land, which is pretty cool. Going right. to the Grand Old Opry. Hey, you had to go to the, the House of the Holy, yeah. uh, House of the Country Holy. And, uh, and then ultimately... Uh, my father being, father-in-law rather, being the bus driver, I said, hey man, can you indulge me? And so he pulls over to the side of the house in front of uh, uh, Johnny Cash's mansion and a little over exuberant, a little excited, grabbed my Pentax 35 millimeter camera because I'm a paparazzi guy now. And I jump up on the stone rampart and then I just <laughs> jump down on his property. Yeah, I'm trespassing. Yeah, I'm paparazzi. Like, what the hell am I doing there? What, you broke in on Johnny and June? What, yep. they having breakfast, some flapjacks? Yeah, some... they must be going, who is that Canadian a-hole with a really bad mullet and the cowboy hat on, right? But uh, anyways, survive that. The cool thing is years later, much music, and we can talk about that in a second, Pat, is vying for a new license, a country music license. Okay. That being said, we are shooting anything country. So lo and behold, the, the, the king and queen of country music land in Toronto. Modest hotel. They're very modest people, those super rich, right? So we're at the little downtown hotel. And Pat, lo and behold, man, I, I walk in and there he was. Larger than life, brother. I'm gobsmacked. It's, it's, it's the, in, the inimitable man in black. It is Johnny Cash, man. It's pretty damn cool. Okay, so. Wow. Why? <laughs> that was amazing. I, I think of this day because you spend your life, you know, and you see your parents, and and this is a big beat in our family, right? And and now you're making this 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 connection. For those of you who are fans who've had a chance to to seek an autograph for somebody you love and, and admire, it's a really big deal, brother. And this was one of the big ones for me. Okay, so I, that's glorious because yeah, you really you first of all have met so many people. So to be so gobsmacked by uh, Johnny Cash. That's in a very astute climate, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, if you're there with him, why are you there with him in the 80s uh, for much music? Uh, that's a, a fair question. And that was because we were vying for a new license. And, uh, at, you know, John Martin, genius, he sets things in motion so that okay. we're already doing, if you will, empirically, right? So when we go and vie for a license, they go, well, it's kind of like this. It's already been track tested, right? And so at that point, we were shooting everything country. Lovely young man named Bill Walichka, who now is a host over here next door in Kingston, Ontario. And they love him over at CKWS, and the city loves him, and I'm not surprised. Right. Uh, charming guy knew what he was doing. A great editor at the time. OK, so he was editing for much editing for much music. Beautiful Samson hair. These long locks. <laughs> Every guy hated him. Every girl loved him. And uh, so charming on many accounts. So Bill went from editing material to hosting it. Wow. Right? OK, that's yeah. great. And so you're there with Bill. What was what was the show? 
We were doing a segment again for Outlaws and Heroes. Uh, Denise Donlin was getting a, a push up the ranks and she got a promotion to the director of programming. John, sadly, was getting the Japanese exit. He was kind of led to the door okay. with an agenda and uh, with no agenda. And uh, so John and his cronies got together and they were seeking a license at the time. Oh, so he was seeking the country music license outside Thank of the Pat. much yep. music realm. Yeah. Ah, the door. Yes. <laughs> I so see. So surprisingly, uh, a lot of people kept close contact to John at this point. Because sure. I think if he would have received the license, uh, then uh, there would have been a max exodus from the building because people quite love John. Right? Interesting. Yeah. So you yeah. are doing, um, so you're doing Outlaws and Heroes. Yeah. In an attempt to get a license uh or John's attempt to get a license for a, a country music station on the digital realm. Mm -hmm. So we, we didn't have a, a country music station yet in Canada. No, and that didn't officially become the country music network as we know it until 1996. Okay. So everybody's vying for that in 94 and fighting for it, right? Right. Uh, yeah, it didn't happen. And sadly for John, I think he invested a lot of money in that. It didn't, it, 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 the bid went awry, but, uh, and, and they, they gave it to somebody else. Uh, that said, though, uh, it was really great because now we're covering another important genre of music because uh, we're moving away from most, mostly pop music, rock and roll, you know, power hour. Sure. And, and now we're introducing country artists such as Johnny Cash. Yeah. But the cool thing is, brother, how often, Pat, how often do you get a chance to redeem yourself to a global superstar? Not very often. Not very often, brother. And so I thought to myself, lo and behold, I had this great meeting with Cash. And man, the biggest stars, brother, I've said this to you before, are very humble. And they have a way to energize the room, their charisma, and their level of hospitality. So wait a minute. You're saying to me yeah. that you sat down with Johnny Cash in a hotel room and on the side, yeah. you, you were going to blab that you... Uh, you jumped into his house? Uh, not initially. I was terrified because he's a big guy and he's large in life. And okay. he's got that look, man, like John Wayne swagger. <laughs> so I finally got the courage, brother, and I said, I'm going to come clean here. And I said, Mr. Cash, and I explained the situation to him that I was ostensibly trespassing. I committed a crime. I'm going to come clean. You know, Folsom Prison, let's, you know, inmate reform. Yeah, there right. you go. Right. And so uh, he said, one second. One second, man. I want you to tell this to somebody. So he walks away, and he comes back. <laughs> and he comes back with the queen of country music, June Carter, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. He brings his wife into the hotel with you. Yes. Yes. Wow. So uh, he said, son, tell her. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> so I explained it. I said, geez, uh, uh, this is June Carter Cash. And made myself clean. And then the king... King stops, and he looks at her, man, and she looks at me, and she goes, Tony, well, you're a nice young man, and I think we'll let this one go. And I look over to Johnny, and Johnny goes, son, you got to pass. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. But the cool thing, brother, leading up to this. A get out of jail free card. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, get out of cash free, right? Uh the great thing was, because it was the 90s, early 90s, and yeah. again, we talked about we were soliciting all manner of country music acts. So we also covered Roseanne Cash, and I also had a chance to interact with Rodney Crow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 
So you're you're just moving your way through the family kind of thing. Kind of the world of cash. And what was interesting about Roseanne is, you know, Roseanne was uh, married for a period of time to Rodney. And Rodney was a country music producer, writer in his own, fantastic writer, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash loved him. So I met them at an awkward time, man. What know? happened? Well, they were breaking up after over a 10-year marriage. So it was really tough time for them. Uh, I saw the strain in our interview with Roseanne. Okay. Uh, and I saw that with Rodney. And Rodney was really affected. I think she left him. I'm not really sure. It doesn't really matter. Uh, they were obviously in love, estranged, and having a difficult time. So I felt like an interloper brother because I was on both sides of the fence. But I didn't want to tell anybody I was just with your ex and, and, and I kind of know things I shouldn't. Ooh. So, so, yeah, I stayed professionally muted. Yeah, but, that, that sounds a little more kinky than... Uh... <laughs> but I, but I mean, soon I want, I want Pat to do this with me because this is pretty cool. Uh-oh. Here's, again, those connections, those crossroads, right? So Rodney Crowell okay. did a cover of a famous song in 1978, I think it was, that a band later, a gospel quartet picked up on, uh, named the Oak Ridge Boys, and it went something like this. It went... Giddy up, boom, pop, boom, pop, mow, mow. Remember that one? So Rodney did the cover of Avira, uh, uh, and uh, the Oak Ridge Boys loved it. And so they did their own version, which is a little more upbeat, and the one that you know became a double platinum album. <laughs> wow. Wait, so Elvira yep. was done by uh, Oak Ridge Boys. It was Rodney Crowell who did the cover. They heard it. But what was also interesting, and this harkens back to that influence of the Carter family, and I think this is why Cash found some resonance with Rodney. Rodney, when you hear that, his version, it's Americana. It's the stuff Roseanne was doing. It's the stuff the Carter family were doing. Oh, okay. You know? Beautiful. Really nice take. It's sort of like, I call it our, our American Gothic music, right? And it really kind of works. Yeah, so it had more of a flow than the than the Oak Ridge Boys. But the Oak Ridge Boys was more apropos for the early '80s. It made sense. Well, right? sure. And so what happened is you got this band, this quartet that was obscure, unless you were in the gospel music, of course, and they did very well there. But right. it's not a genre that I spend a lot of time in. Uh, certainly appreciate its roots, and they crossed over, double platinum album, yeah, over two million records, brother. That's huge. Oh, absolutely. Changed his life. Yeah. So, so I, I, I digress and I tell you that story because I'm on a Southern sojourn and now we're ending up in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, and we're going to meet uh, William Lee Golden at his estate. And, uh, and it was amazing because he lives in sort of an 18th century home, which is historic, man. I mean, there's, there's, it's classic antebellum Southern construction. And it actually has slave quarters built to the right of the house where, where William Lee lives, but nobody can go into. Oh, oh, so William Lee Golden lives in the slave quarters. That's right. So I've limits everybody else. Now, in the main house, as soon as you walk in the front door, Pat, there's a lovely, huge portrait, painting of a Confederate soldier, right? Okay. It looks like a captain. And anyways, there's great saber marks, big X through the portrait. And William proudly likes to show this off because apparently the general now of the occupying U.S., this is the Civil War now, so it's a U.S. Army, right? It's the, it's the Bluecoats. Uh, Bluecoats have taken over this part now of the state of, 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 of Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, which is a former slave state, and have taken this over now, and I guess the commanding officer went and cut enough of the Confederate bastards, 
right? And uh, so, yeah, he's pretty proud of that. But we make our way out to this underground grotto on the property by the river that runs through the, his property. All right. Pretty cool little place. But on the way, you pass the teepee. What teepee? He's got a, a Plains teepee, man, was on the property. And he had that because, because his wife at the time, uh, Luetta, and I just want to get this right, Luetta Calloway, okay? Luetta Calloway, they were having, they were having difficulties in the marriage, Pat. So William Golden. Yep. William Lee Golden. William Lee. <clears throat> Got to get that Confederate thing in there. Uh, yeah. he's, he's married too. Yeah. So he married uh, in 82, actually, yeah, in 84, but he met her in 82. He met uh, the uh, former Miss Las Vegas Tourism, 1982. Former Miss Las Vegas Tourism. Yeah. She was 20 years younger than he was. Right, she was five foot ten, a bombshell. But apparently, they were estranged at the point. So she would have Goldman would, would send Golden would send her out to the teepee pat to have counsel with a First Nations shaman to work stuff out. So knowing that, it was it was great to have that understanding. So I left that, always looking for Luetta, but never saw her that day. Right. And we ended up at this underground grotto, and it was a cool place to meditate. It must have been a really groovy place to hang out. I kind of broached the notion at that point that. I smoke marijuana. Okay. Devil's lettuce, Pat. The devil's lettuce. And uh, saying that, he smiled at me and he points to the medicine pouch. Okay? Little medicine pouch. And in that, we roll our first spliff. Fantastic! But he said, come on, if you like this, you're really going to love this. So we go back to the main house and you know what we indulge in? A little southern moonshine. Moonshine? Moonshine! Oh, the white lightning, man! So it was awesome. Got in the, uh, the proverbial mason jar, had a hit of that, and I'll be honest, folks, I, don't endorse, I do not endorse hard drugs, but I tried LSD once, okay? And it was like that hallucinogenic vibe, but more enriched. It was awesome, actually. Moonshine got me really high. Wow. Yeah. Because my dad brought back Irish potching. What is that, Pat? Northern Ireland once. Yeah. And it's, it's well, it's it's Irish moonshine made from potatoes. Made from potatoes? Potatoes. Hi. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> it was the only alcohol I've ever had. Yeah. He, he was in a milk of magnesia bottle. <laughs> and uh, so one day, I'm like, oh, I'll try this. It never made it to my stomach. I put it in my mouth, and it dissolved by the time it hit my throat. It was the weirdest thing. And how did you feel? I don't remember. <laughs> so it must have been great. Well, uh, in my hallucinogenic state, yeah. okay. Ooh, you see that now? Background going? Okay, perfect. So in my hallucinogenic state, somehow I sober up, and now I end up at like a Legion bar. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, and I'm with Christopher Ward, who was okay. a VJ, because I'm on this sojourn with Christopher Ward. Oh, right, because you're down yeah. there with much yeah. music, of yeah. course, and, and that's why you're, you're... So Chris never smokes dope or never drinks, so this is the first time he's doing this with me. He's having a marijuana stick. Right? And drinking a, a shot of moonshine. Holy crap. Yeah, unbelievable. So we uh, find going through oscillations of sobriety, and then we're getting loaded. Back to sobriety, we're getting loaded. Intoxication, sobriety, right? So uh, anyways, I managed to shoot a little bit of B-roll because I'm, I'm sober now, and I only shoot when I'm sober. And I get some B-roll in the can of Rusty and Chris's sons because he's promoting their careers, right? And I think that's wonderful. But uh, I finish up, and I'm kind of done, and I signal to Willem, William that I'm done, and he gives me that look, that all-knowing look, like Gandalf. He kind of looks at me and goes, and I'm going, what does he look? 
the pouch. The medicine pouch, Pat. I see. Yeah. Okay, so, so he wants you back in the pouch. He throws up another dart. The next thing I, I remember is waking up in my hotel. Wow. Isn't that wild? What a night. So, But I have on my nightstand is a jar of, of moonshine. Really? Pat. Oh, and it's well before 9-11. You can take anything on an airplane, even the potato liquor. Wow, so yeah. so he got you all liquored up and high, yeah. and then afterwards got yeah. you to your hotel room. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. Yeah. well, he probably put that on your, uh, your sign table just because, you know, hair of the dog the next morning, you might need it. And to that point, now, if I was writing a fiction... I might have been that I was dumped off at the airport and I woke up on the sidewalk. But <laughs> anyways, thank you, William Lee, right, for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was fascinating. And, and if you look, uh, please have a look and Pat will throw up here a picture of William Lee. And William Lee had the iconic look. He was the mountain man. And actually, he pissed off his colleagues at the time because uh, they looked a lot like Gentlemen's Quarterly, right? They're really quite uh, quite uh, cosmopolitan in their look. Well, quite I guess refined. they were Yeah, I guess they were dressed in their Sunday best. Yeah. And here right? comes Willie looking like Santa Claus without the toque, right? And, and shades on. Awesome, but everybody knew that look. And so they were smart, they were wise, and they finally uh, they managed to overcome their indiscretions, found peace, harmony, yeah. like the good gospel songs. <laughs> and uh, anyways, reunited, and uh, that's the uh, the uh, the Oak Ridge Boys, man. Honest, honest. amazing, awesome. Yeah. Well, this, you know, the viewpoint into the country world, the and well, actually, the origins. Papa, um, papa, um, papa, mau, mau. I love that. The the thinnest guy in the planet had the heaviest voice. Richard Sturban. <laughs> Weird, crazy. So, well, just to wrap up, I mean, we, today we've covered the origins of rock and roll, really, with yeah, the four and pillars. And we're going to dive into that more, Pat. We talk about Chuck Berry. We're actually going to drill down to the beginnings, the actual origins of rock and roll music. Well, that's great. Chuck Berry. Nice. Well, I want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in to the Rock and Roll Cameraman podcast, because there are many confessions going on here and uh tony again your experiences the exuberance that you 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 uh tell these stories it's engaging it's Thanks, wonderful man. so pleasure please. working with this guy folks and so please uh again all the editing everything all these it, little things going on back here that's I'll me. Let me finish sorry so if you'd like to join the community go to cornrc.com sign in We'll get you some free uh, memorabilia. Maybe not these. Oh, my God. These are dated, but it's what's the South, okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, live free and die hard. And, um, and thanks for tuning in to the Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman podcast. And we'll see you next time.